Well, hello, all my friends, to the podcast or the broadcast that never ends. Rod Black here with you. Welcome to another episode. What a treat we have in store. First of all, happy holidays to all. You can see I'm kind of decked out with the lights, with the poinsettia. Getting ready for the season. And it's always a season in my world, some sort of sports season, but it is a festive season too. And with that in mind, we've got a jolly old elf himself joining us. Well, he's not an elf. He's a little older elf. But he's a guy who I've known for a long time. I've worked with. He's one of the best in the business, one of the funniest men, one of the most generous, and one of the most good-hearted people you will ever meet. Adele has tried to say hello. Neil Diamond has tried to say hello. But no one says hello quite like our guest today on the Rodcast, Jack Armstrong. Jacko, hello. Let's roll the Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win. Now here's your host, Rod Black. John Joseph Armstrong. Jacko, you know how we start. Come on. Give it to me, brother. Give it to me. Hello. <laughs> I love you. Uh, I love that. I miss that. I, I, I miss you. It's so good to see you. I, it's good that we're in this kind of festive spirit. I'm in the green. You're in the red, my man. Uh, and and good reason. It, it's not quite Christmas yet. But I, I honestly think that Christmas is every day for Jack Armstrong. I really do. Uh, you're the gift that keeps on giving. Tell us. Now, again, you're, you're the king of coaching. You're the king of broadcast. Look at you. You got your Dina mug. <laughs> You're the king. You're the king, and Dina's the queen. Uh, you've done so much. Uh, you're the king of KFC. Uh, getting that garbage out of here. Are you the king of comedy now? What's going on here? What is no, going I, on? I don't know if I'm the gift. I, I hope I'm not the king of comedy. That's for sure. Uh, the, the good folks at Comedy Records, uh, Rod, uh, and thanks for having me on. Obviously, uh, it's always a joy and pleasure to be with you. And uh, no, they asked me to do a Christmas album. And, uh, you know, obviously over the years, as you know, I, I like to belt out a few songs now and then uh, during the holiday season. And uh, I've never been shy in front of a microphone. So they had this idea of uh, me doing a Christmas album. Um, so it's, uh, it, we did two days of rehearsal back in April. I actually taped uh, the album uh, back in May late May for two days, which is pretty intense. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I've never really gone behind the scenes and did all that. <laughs> and uh, now the album is out. It's doing really well. Uh, obviously, people could, I don't know what you call it, upload, download, whatever you might want to call on any of the major sites. And then we actually have vinyl as well. You know, the old fashioned people that have record no. players. Yeah, have vinyl. Yeah. We have vinyl records. Do you have eight and, tracks? Do you have cassettes? That's <laughs> we don't have that. We don't have eight tracks of cassettes uh, or reel to reel Betamax. We don't have any of that VHS, uh, but we do have vinyl. Uh, so people can upload it, download it, whoever you want to call it on your computer, on your phone. But if you have a record player, uh, we also have vinyl. So uh, that and uh, it, it's so it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's interesting for me, Rod. Basketball has brought me joy my whole life. Uh, you know, I started, you know, as a little kid playing basketball at seven years old in Brooklyn. Here I am, 59 now, 
It's brought me, you know, great joy for 52 years. Uh, my best friends, my life experiences, everything uh, come from basketball. And then having a coaching career and now a broadcasting career, it's been very joyful. And, and, and uh, the holidays have always been something for me. Uh, as a little kid, actually, I was talking to my mom the other day, and uh, she was putting up her Christmas tree, and, and she always remembers I'm the youngest of four boys. I was the one in the house that was always ex super excited about uh, putting up the lights and the Christmas tree and hanging the stockings and, and all that. And, and I've just always been that way. And I love the holidays. I, I love Christmas carols. And look, I know it's a tough time for a lot of people during the holidays as well. And I respect that. And I'm very, uh, you, know, you know, just sympathetic and, 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 and loving for a lot of those people that have a tough time. And I just feel like if there's a way we can bring joy to people, uh, whether they're in a joyous mood or they're down a little bit, uh, what better way to do it than through song? And it's for a great charity, uh, two great charities, uh, Special Olympics Canada and uh, the MLSE Foundation. Uh, and you're taking this show uh, to, a, to a club, uh, a celebration. Uh, am I getting an invite? That's on Tuesday, December the 6th? Yes, you absolutely have an invite. I, I get to stay? You absolutely get to stay. So uh, I would hope I would hope you and Nancy could make it. I yeah. will uh, be happy to have you. Uh, if I'm you there. Make it. And uh, so it, yeah, it's Tuesday night at the Danforth Music Hall, uh, which is it, it's pretty actually it's pretty intimidating for me. Uh, obviously, and you have as well. Uh, we've performed uh, on television for millions of people, uh, and you go on the radio and you do podcasts. Uh, we've spoken in front of thousands of people at different events. Nonetheless, uh, I've never done anything like this in my life. And when you when I look and people say to me, hey, do you realize that like James Brown, uh, you know, Gordon Lightfoot, yes. uh, you know, Brian Adams, uh, Justin Bieber, yada, 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 have all, you know, uh, performed at the Danforth Music Hall. And now Louis Armstrong, <laughs> now Jack Armstrong. <laughs> so it's, it's a wonderful uh, world. Yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, I'm sitting here chatting with you today on Friday morning, December second. I've, I've, I've done two days of rehearsal, and now I have another rehearsal coming up on Monday morning before I work a Raptors game, and then it's showtime Tuesday night. So I'm really excited. Oh, that's and, awesome! Uh, so it, it'll be fun. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Before we talk some basketball and stuff, because I love talking to you, <laughs> I got my little elf hat on there, buddy. Okay, so here's my favorite song. I don't know if this is part of your repertoire, but here's a little, like a little rehearsal for you. <laughs> We're going to get it going. This is my favorite. I could sing this song in uh, March, April, and May. You know pretty much everything about me. You might not know this, that this is my favorite song of all time. Are you ready? And just join in, okay? I'm ready. Oh, oh, that's that's not good technology. There you go. Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. I'm 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 feeling like I'm a little, I'm jacking here. Hang on. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, buddy. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank God for editing. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. I didn't put the volume up. Okay. Here you are. Oh, geez, Jack. Sorry. I know the song you want to sing. Oh, the wind. Oh, hang on, hang on. I want you to get here. It is okay. We can edit this part. Hang on. Okay. Stupid phone. I got a. Here comes the volume. Okay, hang on. Sorry, editors. Hang on. I got. Here we go. Okay. Here we are. 
Here you go. Here you go. Come on, Jacko. Oh, the weather, the weather outside is frightful. And oh, oh the light Since we know place, no place to, go, to go, let it let snow, snow, let it snow, snow. let it snow. Yeah. Is, that part of your, is that part of the, what, what do you, what do you got? What kind of, like, give me a, I don't want to give too much away, but what do you got for Tuesday night? Well, uh, you know, speaking of snow, my all-time favorite song. You, by uh, the way, you got a lot of snow down where you are, right? You're in Lewiston. You're close to Buffalo. Actually, I'm, I'm sitting in Lewiston today. We have no snow. Everything what? melted. So all good. All good. We had about nine inches, about 25 minutes from me in downtown Buffalo. Got four and a half, five feet, which is incredible. Yeah. That's lake effect snow. Yeah. But speaking, speaking of snow uh, and let it snow, uh, my favorite uh, song about snow is my all-time favorite Christmas uh, song. And uh, as a kid, actually, I was asked uh, by a teacher in school at St. Brendan's Grammar School in Brooklyn uh, when I was in fourth grade uh, to sing in front of the whole school. And, I, and from the time I was in fourth grade to eighth grade, uh, my favorite song was White Christmas. I love Bing Crosby. Obviously, I can't sing like Bing Crosby. Give me, give me uh, a little. Come on, give me a little. I, I can sing it. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. Got it. The treetops glisten, and children listen, listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. So there's a little version of Oh, I love it. I don't want to give away too much. And by the way, you get paid by actors. So, I mean, this is costing us lots of money. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Uh, so are you doing a number of Christmas? Like, what are you going to do? Yes, like, yes. And you're buying, like, you're Mr. Crooner. You're like Bing Crosby meets <laughs> Nat King Cole meets uh, Michael Buble, uh, whoever. Uh, meets Jack Armstrong. Like. Well, you know, you're by yourself? You're with a band? I mean, this is, this, I, I think this is incredible. Uh, well, the album, uh, and, and when we, we're done, I'll send it to you. I, I, I'll make sure I send it over to you. You know and, what there uh, is? There's no donation no like? Donation. Yes. <laughs> Amen. If it's free, it's me. No, I will send you the album. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's uh, on the album itself, we did 14 uh, Christmas songs, and then I did two narrations. The one narration I did was. Um, you know, the, the famous letter, a young lady, uh, I think it was 1898, 1897, Virginia O'Hanlon writes a letter to the New York Sun about the existence of uh, Santa, Claus. Santa Claus. And it's it's probably one of the most famous hmm. letters ever written. And it's, and it's in every newspaper across the, pretty much the world on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. Uh, and it's a beautifully written. So I narrate that. And then we also do a fun uh, basketball version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. So, so there's 14 songs and then two narrations on the album. And, and they're all Christmas songs. And then at the concert, uh, pretty much we're going to perform a, a, you know, a bunch of the Christmas songs from the album. Right. And pr prior to us coming on, uh, there'll be a few comedians nice. that are kind of warming the crowd up. Good. Getting folks in a good mood, and then uh, we come on stage. So yes, I play with a band. Uh, these guys are legit. Uh, they are wow. all professional musicians, and I am blown away by their talents and uh, their enthusiasm. And uh, it's been a great experience. And uh, yeah. uh, you know, and Rod, you know this. Uh, 
in the sports world, uh, we, we've had the opportunity, uh, both of us, to meet some of the most amazing people that aren't sports people. Mm-hmm. And they love they love sports. I and saw you with Drake's, Drake's little coat on you. <laughs> yeah, Darren, you know. No, I saw that picture, and I was actually at the game. I didn't get a chance to see you. And I saw it over there, and, went, and I didn't know you had the little teddy bears there. But I also saw your tea. Now, had you spilled that tea on that coat, were you worried at all? Because I think that coat might be worth more than Pascal Siakam's salary. Well, it's definitely worth more to my house. That's for sure. <laughs> so I was definitely, I was definitely worried about the cleaning bill. Uh, the good thing is I didn't have coffee. I just drink green tea when I yeah. when I do games. Doesn't stain. So, you know exactly, and, and you know, you know. But it's amazing. Uh, but uh, Drake is one of those guys. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. He gets it. He understands awesome. it. It's show business, and he goes along with the joke. And literally, he handed me the coat. And so, what am I going to do? So Matt says, "Hey, Jack, you got to put the coat on." Of course, I'm like up for anything. Oh, and yeah. uh, we have we have a great time. Yeah. He's got a he's got a tremendous sense of humor, and you know, from one recording artist to another, <laughs> I can't believe that. I can't believe I just said that, but. Hey. Here I am. So, you know, I'm trying to help him promote his show. Devlin doesn't have an album. I don't have an album. Between <laughs> you and Drake, you both have albums. Now, Drake exactly. has a few more and a few more, a few more Spotify and, listeners. And, and, exactly. Don't and, me. And, and he's uh, doing a concert. Uh, the, the night we have the concert at the Danforth Music Hall next Tuesday, he's appearing at the Apollo Theater in, in New York, which is obviously a, a, an incredible place. So, uh, you know, so someday maybe I, I, I get there, but I doubt it. What do they say? For every bright light that shines on Broadway, there's a thousand broken lights. I'll just do my best on Tuesday uh, night. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? What people should know, and I, I'm asked a lot uh, about the people I've worked with or the people I've met. And I got to be honest with you, and you know this, is that I, uh, I get asked about you a lot. Uh, what's Jack like? You know, what, what's he like? And I tell him, Jack is Jack. You see what you get. Guy who likes pints. Uh, a guy who is incredibly knowledgeable about basketball, a guy who's a tremendous leader, a kind heart, all of those. I, I'm, you, you, can, you, you can pay me for all the great things, but I, <laughs> you're just a great dude. But also you love to sing. And I can't tell you how many times you have um, turned some establishments that we've been at late night, like, like libraries. And things. Exactly. <laughs> turned them into your own Apollo Theater. And... The amount of times that we've gone out where uh, we've had to get the jaws of life uh, to get the microphone out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But it's uh, its so entertaining. So, how, like, have you been doing, like you said, you like to sing. But, but you'll get up in the middle of anywhere, anywhere on the planet. And, and, and any time of year, and maybe even sing a Christmas song, or, of course, your favorite New York, New York, where you hail from. Um, well, it, it's funny you say that. Uh, my brother, Brendan, I have three older brothers, and uh, my brother, Brendan, I was at his son's wedding uh, this summer in, in Ireland and uh, in Dublin. And my uh, one of my nephews, another nephew, Irish nephew, says, Uncle Jack, you know, I know you love to sing. Why don't you? He walked over to DJ and says, come on, we got to get him up here. So I go up and, and start singing at like the after party at the wedding, and uh, I get the whole place going. So then, uh, then I say to the DJ, you know, I got one more. <laughs> so, so I'm up there, I have another one. And so I've heard that. My, finally, my brother Brendan, who's got an amazing voice, I stink. He's really good. He plays the accordion. He's a tremendous Irish singer. 
Oh, man. And uh, he's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm paying for the wedding, and you're up here singing. This is what I do. So, uh, no, it's just like typical. We had, we had a lot of fun with it. But, uh, no, I'm not shy. Uh, but I love celebration and joy and music. And uh, it brings a smile to people's face. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and, Rod, you know this in your career and in, in my two different careers. You travel a lot. You spend a lot of time away from home. So if you're out with your friends and your colleagues and you can enjoy each other's company and have a few laughs, I mean, what else would you rather do? It's awesome. God, we've had some good ones, too. And we're not done. I mean, again, we technically don't work together. I still think we should start our own little podcast. (laughs) Jack Black or whatever it could be. Hello, Jack. Uh, but I, I do think of our, some of our great moments, and, and clearly they revolve around the Raptors and winning and success. I think some of it also revolves around the failures around the team, and you know the team, quite frankly, in some years really sucked. But it gave you a really good uh, stepping stone into what you know became that championship. But also it's the, the other times, some of the other events we've gone to, um, and some of the hits that we've had to do. I, and some of the ones most memorable to me, uh, All-Star Game, New York City, you and I, uh, again, uh, we were studying late, preparing, uh, downtown New York City might have been the coldest night of, well, forever, uh, but the whole event, and it gave us a, an, an inkling into what Toronto's All-Star Game would become because it would be cold too, but it was such a celebration. I love the All-Star Games. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because the following year when Toronto had the All-Star game, everyone was whining about how cold it was. And Rod, as you know, and we did some hits outside in Mm. New York, and it was uh, there was no question it was colder in New York City uh, than it was in Toronto the following year. And having grown up in New York, when Nutcracker was playing on Broadway, (laughs) when you're when you're uh, near the Atlantic Ocean, which obviously New York City is, that, that cold is like an incredibly raw cold, mm-hmm. uh, that just bone chilling. And uh, but we had a great time uh, doing those All Star games, and I never never forget uh, being at the party with you uh, after the All Star weekend in New York because Toronto then threw a big party because they were the host of the next year. And that was actually part of a really magical run for the Raptors when uh, Pat Riley has a great term. He calls it the innocent climb where uh, Masai Ujiri had taken over and he got his uh, group together and started the, the process of turning around the culture and everything about the Toronto Raptors. And part of the whole thing was the All-Star Weekend as well and getting people to understand what an amazing basketball market and and what an amazing market the entire country is for basketball. So uh, to me, uh, it, we've, we've had a lot of great times promoting the sport. And as much as, you know, I work uh, and, and I talk about the Raptors, and Rod, you have too, uh, you understand because you were there right at the beginning, you and Leo, uh, calling games in Vancouver as well. Our job is to be ambassadors for the sport of basketball. And the thing I'm most proud of is as much as I'm proud, uh, you know, with, with what the Raptors have accomplished, and this is my 25th season call in Raptor games. Congrats. The thing I, the, thank you. And the thing I'm most proud of, though, is, the, is the, when people say it's the fastest growth sport in Canada, which it is, mm-hmm. and Canada is number two in representation in the NBA. To me, 
you know, when I came to coach at Niagara in 1988, that's 35 years ago, and recruiting in Canada, basketball wasn't that at, at that level. And here we are 35 years later, I'm going, it's unbelievable. And you were there at the beginning calling games for both the Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies. So you know what I'm talking about. It, you know, it's the old line, you've come a long way, baby. And uh, to me, uh, to have just a little small smidgen of a role uh, yeah. in, in helping promote the sport and the fact that people have fallen in love with the sport, they then, hopefully, knock wood, they fall in love with the Toronto Raptors as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm just excited about that. And uh, I'm just a little caraway seed in the bakery of life. Uh, just, you know, trying to hump away every day and do the best I can. And, and uh, but that's the thing that brings me joy is the fact that now you drive around any town in Canada. And I'm not just talking Toronto. Right. Anywhere you go in Canada, because it's a national game, you'll go down a street now and people have basketball nets in their driveway out on the street, just mm -hmm. like they used to have hockey nets out on that street. So to me, that's the thing that brings me joy. Yeah, more, I would say also more basketball nets uh, instead of hockey nets. And I grew up as a, a hockey head, became a basketball fanatic, mostly because I fell in love with Dr. J and the Sixers. And I recall living in Winnipeg, and my hero was a guy named Martin Riley. I don't know if you really ever heard of Martin. He was a great Manitoba Bison. He was the Steve Nash before Steve Nash. So he was kind of my role model, and that's what kids need is role models. But I remember having to take my bike and to ride miles to get to one basketball net. I go back to Winnipeg now and every house on one block, every, you could, board, by the way, folks, you, you can actually use another net, but every <laughs> house has a net. That says everything about it. And you know, you look back on your career and, and again, coaching, how many, how many Canadians, I should know this, how many Canadians did you have playing at Niagara when you were there? Uh, pretty much my entire career at Niagara, uh, we had at least one Canadian player on our team. And we had a few years where we had, I'm just off the top of my head, I got to think it through, but we, we had some years we had two on our team, uh, three on our team. So, uh, and yeah, I think and, those numbers and, have changed, right? They probably yeah, have changed through the years. And, and not just be, uh, not just me. I mean, before I got to Niagara yeah. or, or St. Bonaventure or Canisius, the little three here in Western New York, uh, every team had uh, really good Canadian players. And uh, so I'll never forget, Rod, in 1994, 93, I can't remember when, when it was announced that Toronto and Vancouver were going to get uh, NBA teams. I'll never, I'll never forget, I'm sitting in a, a meeting with my assistant coaches, and I say to my staff, because we're talking about recruiting, and recruiting's like breathing. And at that time... At that time, a future broadcasting job in Toronto or in Canada, becoming the icon, that was not even probably in your head. Right? No, I, no, no, not at all. I wow. mean, not, not even. I, I honestly, I, I fell into this. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I had never any intention of doing this for a living. So I'm saying uh, to our staff, guys, it's going to happen. We're on the border. Our school sits on the Niagara River. We're looking at Canada right now. I'm sitting in my kitchen. I'm looking at Niagara and the Lake as we speak. Uh, it's there. It's the new frontier. It's going to happen. There, there is so much athletic talent 
and we're right next to it. And we're, we're next to the largest market in Canada, and that's Toronto. Oh, my goodness, this could really help our recruiting. Uh, but, you know, you, interesting, uh, you say to me, uh, you, you, you're a coach. It's a, I have a master's degree from Fordham University in communications. Rod, I, in my, I never, the only reason I took, I got my master's in communications was it fit our practice schedule. That, you know, they were going to pay for my master's really? degree and it fit our practice schedule. Really? I, I in no way, shape or form ever had any consideration for wanting to do broadcasting. And yet I went to Fordham, Ben Scully, Mike Breen, Michael Kay, yada, 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 Bob Popper. There's a lot of great broadcasters and they're all wonderful guys. Uh, that have come out of Fordham. And, you know, I didn't go to school for that. I, I was a history major. I could tell you when the War of 1812 was. I mean, my, <laughs> whole, my whole goal was to be a basketball coach. And that's all I ever wanted to be. And uh, so, you know, people say, well, how'd you get hired uh, with the Raptors? Well, what happened was I got fired. <laughs> I had a year left on my contract at Niagara. I was burnt out. I needed a year away from coaching. And my thing was, you know what, I'll do a year of broadcasting and then I'll get back into coaching. And a lot of people said to me when I was coaching, hey, you know what? You'd be pretty good on TV, radio, you're, you're kind of, and I'm saying, I think they're really telling me that I suck as a coach, that maybe that would be my better career. You know, so I honestly, I had no intention of doing this. And even my first year with the Raptors, which I loved, and it was Vince Carter's rookie year, 25 years ago. Yeah. I had a, I had a great Opening time. Opening of the Air Canada Center. Yeah, the whole bit. And it was amazing. And yet I was like, well, I'm only doing this for a year and I'm going to go coach again. And then my coaching friends were like, hey, man, you're happy. You're having fun. Uh, you're getting you know, positive uh, vibes in terms of and I was working a lot of college basketball in the United States at the time as well for ESPN, MSG, yada, yada, yada. So I was doing a lot, both TV and radio. And uh, I loved it. I had fun with it. But my heart was in coaching. And I had, thankfully, thankfully, I had a guy, uh, a few coaching mentors say to me, wait a minute, you know, are you crazy? You're having fun. You got a young family. You got three little kids. Are you out of your mind? Uh, you're going to go coach at, you know, whatever. You're going to go be an assistant coach at a big powered school like, you know, Connecticut or Notre Dame or North Carolina, whatever, for a few years. And then uh, you're going to become a head coach again somewhere else. And you're going to move your family a bunch of times. You're probably going to get fired a bunch of times. Like, what are you chasing? You've already done it. You've already been a Division I NCAA head coach for nine years. What are you chasing? You know, like, aren't you supposed to be chasing happiness? Uh, aren't you supposed to be a good husband, good father? Uh, you know, get over yourself and think about things that really matter in your life. And that was the advice I got. And bang, it hit me in the by a two four two by four in my face, and I was like, you know what? I love basketball. I've had the opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, this is a different part of the journey now, and here I am in year twenty five of that journey, and I'm, I'm so grateful uh, that I didn't go back to coaching. People say, would you coach again? I'm like, absolutely no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 that's a tough one. You, and the thing is, you've also had a front row seat and you know and you've met 
And I think we've all learned from because we've been around them. Some of the greatest leaders and coaches, I consider Sam Mitchell one who, you know, was a colleague of all of ours. And you get to know Sam as a person and getting to know you as, again, a high-profile coach, Leo, who's a coach. I do find coaches coach even when they're not coaching. Do you know what I mean? And I think those le lessons I think we all can take from. And I know you do a lot of speaking engagements. You do still a lot of seminars. You, you give a lot of people some great advice you have for me and, and my kids as well. But uh, it is interesting. Once you're a coach, that kind of mentality um, exists. And I think every coach takes from a lot of different people. I do. I have so many mentors uh, from a coaching perspective uh that influenced me uh you know as a young coach uh even now i have people that have become broadcast mentors to me that are ex-coaches that mm -hmm. were analysts that are analysts uh that have really taught me the ins and outs of what it takes to be a good analyst uh the the ingredients and uh so yeah I, and, and i think rod and you know this Organization is a big part of, of that. Uh, I, you know, I, someone said, you know, like football coaches, it's amazing. Football coaches make, in my opinion, great CEOs because they have to manage a ton of different people. I mean, your organizational skills have to be off the charts uh, to be a head football coach, whether it be in the CFL, the NFL, mm -hmm. uh, a major NCAA program. Your attention to detail and your ability to tie it all together is amazing. Uh, I, I would say, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and I'll just show you. Like, that's uh, – I've seen you my, know. It's my calendar. Like, I am old school. I, I write I? everything down. I am a, I'm a big believer in the five Ps. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Uh, when you go into something, if you're prepared, that gives you confidence. And when you're confident, you're going to perform at the best of your ability. And uh, to me, you know, coaching taught me so much. Uh, playing sports taught me so much. Failure teaches you so much. Uh, you know, I, I think as you, as we both know, you know, success and failure are kind of a little bit imposters. Uh, you never get, you can't get too big ahead, or you can't get too down on yourself. Uh, one of my one of my mentors as a young coach was Lou Conasecca, the Hall of Fame at St. John's, coached a good friend, Chris Mullen, and Mark Jackson at St. John's, to name a few. And he has a great line. He says, Peacock today, feather dust tomorrow. Stay humble. Always stay humble. And you know, don't, you know, when people compliment you, take it kindly mm -hmm. and thank you, but don't really take it all that much in. And when people rip you, Okay, why are they saying that? Learn from it, but nonetheless, don't let it live inside your head. And to me, I, I, I you know, I, I really, I, I can't thank that orange ball enough, Rod, because mm -hmm. playing, coaching, and now broadcasting, it's made me become more reflective and and think through things a lot better. Uh, it's challenged me to be better, and, and you know, and many times it humbles you, and you get knocked down a lot, and you fail a lot but you get back up and, and as you know, obviously your sons are tremendous baseball players. And uh, you know, I've I know your family very well and they're beautiful kids. And uh, you know, all about the, you know, the topsy turvy ride of, mm -hmm. of what your own kids go through. Nonetheless, the, the athletes we cover. Yeah. And, and you know, 
when people hear coach speak, I call I don't even like that term. I think people speak. When people hear successful people talk, do you notice that a lot of the great ones, the greatest people, your mentors, people you look up to, Hollywood celebrities? I just heard something today from Robert De Niro, of all people. You know, how's it going? And yeah. he says, uh, you know, chill. He said, when things are successful, chill. Just be cool because that is like a tightrope. The peacock and the feather duster are, it's, so finite that all of our lives are walking on that tightrope. And it's the next step that you have to take and make sure you do it with clarity. And I thought it was fascinating. I really do find, and I, I, I by the way, I must compliment you through the years too, because if you're watching a Raptors broadcast or you're watching a speaker being around you, is that you have that input, which I've always loved your saying, I've kind of stolen it a couple of times, I should pay you, that input <laughs> equals output. I really believe that. Yeah, I, I believe it too. And, and, and it's interesting. I had a young man uh, who's doing a project for university. And he said, I asked my professor that I could do a profile of you. So uh, I've spoken to him on three different occasions. And, and you know, and our, our schedules are so crazy. It's literally, I'm driving in my car at 1030 at night, coming home from a Raptor game, and I'm spending 45 minutes on the phone chatting with him. You know, it's never at normal times during the day. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're kind of in a quiet moment where you're uh, no one's bothering you. It's very, and you know, see, so yeah, it, 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 he he asked some really thought provoking questions. But one of the questions that he asked uh, that kind of blew me away, he said, "How does it feel to have made it?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, I haven't made it." You know, like that scares the livid, you know what, out of me. Uh, to when someone says you've made it, well, yeah, you have a great job, this, that, the other. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm a half step away from the gutter. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, life, yeah. life is life is humbling. Yeah. Uh, I come from nothing. And I think that the thing that drives me is the fact that uh, I didn't grow up with a safety net in my life. You know, I had to make it because if I didn't make it, I'd be in the gutter. You know, and, and I, I, I think the biggest challenge, I was funny, I was out with a few of my buddies last week and we were chatting about raising our kids. And, and one of the things that we were chatting about is like the thing that my kids have so much more in their life than I have. And your four kids have so much more in their life than you did. And the thing that scares the heck out of me is sometimes we do too much for our kids. And what are their kids going to be like? Correct. And what are they going to be like? Yeah. You know, because sometimes we, we enable them too much rather than empower them. And I felt the thing that's always been my driving force in, in my soul and, and everything I've done in my life and in my two, a few different careers has been the fact that, like, I gotta I got to be good at this because if I'm not – you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And and that's always driven me. And mm -hmm. so that question, uh, literally just like a week and a half ago, just blew me away because it scared the heck out of me. And to your yeah. point about what Robert De Niro says, like, uh, so enjoy it. I love what I do. I love the people that I have the opportunity to be around. It, it, I'm so blessed. And, you know, Vin Scully, uh, when I asked him at the end of his broadcast career, you know, do you feel fortunate? 
you feel lucky. And he said, those two words are way too cheap. He goes, blessed is the more appropriate uh, fit to how I feel. And, and I feel blessed. Uh, and, 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 and at the same time, very driven. Yeah. Vince Scully, rest his soul. Boy, what a great man. I had a chance to work with him a couple of times. Actually, was there, I was there the day, which is a crazy story. I was there the day that he unfortunately, tragically, became a solo announcer. And I don't know if a lot of people know what happened. Is that his partner, uh, of course, one of the great, great, great. Don, Don Drysdale. Great pitchers. Um was his longtime commentator, and they were in Montreal. I was working for the Expos, doing an Expo game. And I remember that day, I, it's emblazoned in, in my mind, uh, seeing Vin come up the elevator. Uh, you know, how we all come up to the elevators pre-game, going for the meal, and he was so kind and so nice. And, you know, he remembers everybody. And we were all having dinner. Then I remember us doing the game, and uh, I remember not seeing Don Drysdale. And I believe he got a call either before the game. It might've been during the game that Drysdale, they, he was not at the game and they actually found him in the, in the hotel room. And then after that, Vin uh, became a solo announcer, but they were terrific together. And Vince Scully, again, like you, has, has offered so many great nuggets of, of wisdom. And I think it comes from your heart. I think all of, a lot of this comes from your heart. It's, it's obviously activated by your brain, but it comes from your heart. And you said that the orange ball has given you everything in life. Um, but I would also say that there is, there are four things that you love more than the orange ball. Dina, Kevin, Brian, and Timmy. No doubt. Uh, and, and that's what life's all about because that's your legacy. You know, uh, what we do is just a career. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, it comes and goes. Uh, one of my, another one of my mentors is a guy, Frank Laden, who was the president, GM, head coach of the Utah Jazz. Great man. A, a, played and coached at Niagara. Uh, me and UB Brown were classmates, and, and UB's been great to me. And uh, Frank has a great line. He always says, the job doesn't love you back. <laughs> and he said that to me when I coached, and he has said that to me when I, when I uh, you know, when you're, when you're rising up the ranks as a broadcaster. He says, always never lose sight of what matters. And to me, having been fired as a coach, you find out who your friends are, you know, and uh, you find out when you go through tough times, who returns your phone calls, who's got your back, who still is, is connected with you and in your life. And to me, that that's an important thing, because as we I said earlier, success and failure, they're two imposters. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's the core of your relationships with people the soul, that connection, that emotional connection that you have as human beings that counts. And so, uh, you know, to me, like as a husband and father, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more proud of, of my three sons and my wife. Oh, and what unbelievable for the boys. listeners and viewers, Jack, take us, take us through the journey uh, with your boys who are remarkable, extraordinary humans, and they've got loving parents, <laughs> but take us through, um, and, and it's been documented, but for those that don't know, tell us tell us the story of your family. Well, my wife and I adopted uh, three Ameri African American boys. Uh, they're all from Texas, and uh, you know we tried. <coughs> excuse me, water went down the wrong pipe. Uh, we tried 
uh, for a few years, uh, you know, and unfortunately, uh, we, we just wasn't going to happen uh, in terms of being able to have a, a child. Um, so my wife was really, as we, I was too, we were both upset about it. But I said to my wife one day, I said, honey, I didn't marry you for your ability biologically uh, to have a child. I married you because I love you. Let's adopt. You know, like, hey, let's do it. And uh, I had a- I also story. heard rumors that you married her because I thought you thought that she'd make a very good assistant coach in a basketball team because she <laughs> coached the soccer team. She was a, she right. She was an NCAA women's uh, division one head coach in soccer at Niagara. And she was also an NCAA assistant coach division one at Niagara University for basketball. So, uh, so she knows, believe me, she knows her, she's a very on top of her game in terms of sports. And, uh, but, you know, I, I said to her, let's adopt. And I had a, a friend of mine who was an assistant coach at Fordham. He, he and I were colleagues. Uh, and then he had, uh, he had a young family and he got out of coaching, uh, had his own business and was a high school coach in New York. And I was recruiting actually one of his players who ended up, who I, we ended up signing at Niagara. And, uh, so we're out to dinner in New York and he and his wife had adopted two little boys and they were both African-American boys. And I was like, that's awesome. I love that. And look, I'm in the basketball business. Uh, I'm around young black athletes every day. Uh, I grew up in basketball. I'm very comfortable with this. Uh, so we called the same adoption agency he and his wife had adopted from. And they said, well, what would you like to do? And we said, we'd like to adopt uh, uh, some, some kids. So uh, they said, well, what would you like? And we were like, what do you mean what we were like? We'll take whatever you got. I mean, well, well they said, you know, uh, you know, we have a harder time placing young black boys with families. Uh, and we're like, count us in, we're in. So we got one. And then, uh, you know, six months later, we have another one. And they say, well, we actually have this, we'll take him too. You know, so <laughs> we, had, we had three little boys in diapers at awesome. the same time. Awesome. It was chaos. And I, you know, uh, right in the middle of all this, I got fired as the head coach at Niagara. Now I'm starting a new career uh, in, in broadcasting. I don't know what's going to happen in my life or my career if I'm going to, you know, and I said that earlier. And here's my wife who had a very successful career. She had uh, gotten out of coaching when we started adopting our boys. And she had a very successful career as a vice president treasurer of her family's company. And now she has to manage raising three little boys. She's got a career. And... I'm traveling all over North America uh, as an MBA and college basketball broadcaster, trying to figure out whether I want to do this or go back into coaching again. And uh, so, you know, I love my kids. They're amazing. And I'm so proud of them. And they're all in their 20s now and out and about doing their thing. And I can't thank my wife enough. She is just an absolute rock star. And I absolutely overachieved, as you did as well with Nancy. Yes. And uh, yes, because, yeah. no, it's true. And and because for you to have, a, you know, a, a successful career, uh, you need that person that uh, takes the kids to the hockey rink and soccer practices and basketball practices and tutors and the absolute utter chaos of having three little boys all around the same age. 
and uh, and obviously you with four, you can relate. And 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 for us, you know, getting those looks, at, you know, walking through an airport or at a stadium or at an arena or whatever, and you're holding, uh, you know, you're you're with, you know, and this is this is nineteen, you know, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, whatever. It's a little different then than it is now. In terms of people looking at you saying, you know, who are you people with these little kids? And uh, I, I couldn't love a biological son or daughter any more than I love my three sons. And uh, my wife's family. I know family, your sons feel the same way. Well, you know, my wife's family, my family have been phenomenal. Our friends, colleagues like you, uh, it just, it's been a great journey. And look, there's challenges. Uh, because, uh, you know, I have to think as a father of three black sons, that's how I, I view mm -hmm. the world because and I'm still a very, and by the way, still a very yeah. different world. I mean, uh, that must've been really tough for you to navigate, uh, and process, especially with what went on a couple of years ago, um, and the black lives matter movement, which was very, very important, still very important. But, you know, I think we are getting better as a society. We still have a lot of work to do, but my goodness, you, you, you live that. I have lived it. And, uh, you know, DWB, driving while black, you know, having uh, sons that for no reason just get pulled over, uh, you know, because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a, I had one of my sons, uh, he was followed home by police and he pulled up to our house and he got out of the car and they're like, what are you doing? Goes, what do you mean? What am I doing? I live here. You don't live here. What do you mean you don't live here? I live here. <laughs> you know. So it's just like. Uh, so when I speak to our players, or you know, people in, in my industry in basketball, or when I was coaching at the time and my kids were very little, and talking to our players back then about what their journey was and what to expect and like uh, getting their hair cut. Like all those little things and, and just uh, all the, you know, it, so I've had, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of uh, black role models uh, that have really helped with that journey and helping raise them and be sympathetic and connect with them on a level uh, that I'm doing a good job as a parent, you know, and believe me, I'm far from perfect. I've failed many times and uh, there's no know, instruction so, manual to this. thing. There's no, there's no book. There's no, no. book. Uh, so, uh, you know, people say to you, and I, and you mentioned what happened a few years ago and people say, well, how do you feel about the movement? And my answer has always been, I've lived the movement. You know, there's a lot of people out there that talk a good game about the movement. It's different. If you actually put your, you know what, on the line and say, yeah. well, actually, I'm going to live it, you know, and I feel proud of the fact that my wife and I have lived it, you know, that we uh, did this. And at the same time, people say to you, hey, what a great thing you and your wife did. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. Uh, our life wouldn't be the same. We would just be a couple. Mm -hmm. And that's nice. And, and I love my wife dearly. And we're, you know, I hope we're a great, I think we're a great couple. She's still putting up with me for close to 30 years. So I think we are. Yeah. But, nonetheless, but nonetheless, what really matters is that they've made our life whole. I mean, we're a family. 
and uh, and families aren't cookie cutter ideal. You know, no. they're, they're, it's it's families look different, families act different. Uh, you know, the fact that you're biologically related to somebody doesn't mean you're going to be close. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean uh, you, you know. There's people in 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 our lives that are closer that you're closer to than someone that's biologically related to you. So to me, it's all about love. It's all about having that love for somebody. And to me, that's what it's all about. And so I, I, I'm blessed uh, and I'm so, so blessed and fortunate to have, uh, you know, those four folks in my life that you mentioned. Yeah. And everybody else in your life, because you you oh, yeah. you're, you're such a you're such a giver. Um, I, I could keep you all day, and we could talk all day, but I know you got you got to go run. I know you run a lot. Have you run run today? No, I haven't. I'm gonna run. You can yeah, see I got my baseball cap you on. You and, run like uh, crazy. I, gonna... I dude, I cannot believe how you run. Like I remember, my favorite story of all is our night that we spent in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, that was an All Star game. Yes, uh, we went out guy. late. We went to these. I never heard of a dive bar in my life. Um, I thought it was a swimming bar, and you don't know. Uh, we <laughs> closed it. Uh, you were singing. You had a mic. Uh, we did close. We had pizza. We took a rickshaw back. I think. <laughs> I think it was uh, two a.m. Pacific time. So I don't have to tell you what that was. Eastern. <laughs> Five a.m. Eastern. And I know we had to meet at nine a.m. And I'll never forget. I'm down in the lobby at like ten to nine, and I'm just like hurting. <laughs> And here comes Jack running up the hill, got a sweat on. Hey guys, ready to go? Just after another. Do you run every day? Uh, pretty much. Uh, anytime oh. I get a chance. I mean, obviously there'll be there'll be a few days here and there because of travel. It gets it screws up. I just can't do it. But uh I, I pretty much every day. I mean, like during uh off season, I'm running seven days a week. Uh during the season, at least six. And if I can fit it in, I'm doing seven. Um, you know, there are days where the weather is so bad, I'll have to do a, a treadmill. I call it the dreadmill. Uh, <laughs> I hate it. Uh, but I, I love being outdoors. I love running. Uh, I, today, I will run on the Niagara River. And I will literally, I look at Canada while I'm running. It's beautiful. I look at Niagara and the lake. And uh, it's great. I love it. It clears the head. I listen to music. Um, it's just a great, great way of, of, of really uh, – kind of getting yourself recentered. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's therapeutic. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really important. It's an important part of my life. Uh, you have uh, so many interests, so many things. You're, you're fascinating. Uh, as I've always said to you, uh, you've got a lot of catchphrases. Um, the hello is classic and, and, and you've used them uh, quite a bit uh, through the years and it's become part of your persona. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you are the best analyst in Canada, because you have won a number of awards. Um, I do want to ask you, and people have asked me, uh, what, what kind of a, a, a calendar for waste distribution do you have in Lewiston, New York? Like, when do they come to pick up uh, your your uh, trash? When do they do that? What day every is Monday, it? Every Monday morning. So this Monday, Monday morning, morning, that's a tough one. So, oh, it's so when you take the trash and the truck's coming by, do you say, get back in? Every Monday morning, I, I bring the garbage out and I bring the recyclable bin out. So I have my blue recyclable bin and I have my garbage can. Every Monday morning, uh, they come and uh, pick it up. So yes, Monday morning's my day. And, uh, actually, and are there KFC a... buckets in your recyclable <laughs> truck? 
<laughs> they have this been. Know. <laughs> you know, and it's funny, you know, years ago, I, I thought it was really clever on the part of the city of Toronto. Uh, the city of Toronto asked me to do public service announcements yeah. uh, to get brilliant. people. It was, it was a brilliant idea on their part, and they actually turned out great. They were very funny. But I'll never forget, uh, I'm, I'm doing a Raptor game, and Kyle Lowry, I'm about to go on television, and Kyle Lowry just comes by me and grabs me. He says, Jack, I can't get away from you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, I go to the movie theater last night with my wife. And you know how they play the uh, stuff before the movie theater? Make sure you get popcorn, right? And one of the things they played at the movie theater before the movie was a public service announcement from the city of Toronto. Hey, make sure you get that gamut out of here with me doing some funny skit. Trying to make, so it was it was hysterical that he said to me, "Man, I can't get away from you." So, uh, uh, but it was it was very clever yeah. and brilliant on the part of the city of Toronto. And look, you know, sometimes you got to do things that are a little oddball and off the beaten path to get people's attention to say, "Wait a minute, I need to think about that. Make sure I'm doing the right thing because it, it is important." Yeah, it is. I, I won't keep you much longer, but. Uh, I got a lot of favorite pictures, as you do, uh, and I don't think I've won much in my life except uh, old fart or old timer uh, championships or tournaments. But this is my favorite picture, right there. I'm oh thinking. yeah, I have it. I have it hanging up uh, uh, as well. I love my house. that night. Well, I will never ever forget beyond all the games that we've done together. But that night, <laughs> and then of course we went upstairs, and I think we had a few more wines. But maybe talk about winning the championship what it meant to Toronto, what it meant to you, what it meant to all of us. Um, I think our uh, hearts got a little bigger in Canada that night. Uh, two things. Number one, and you know this, Rod, people said, how did it feel? And I think for the hour after the Raptors won, we had no time to process that because we're on live television well, like an hour, maybe ninety minutes. Remember, Kyle brought the the case of beer over. I've never, yeah, I, I've never drank while I was working before, but I did that night. Remember, we had yeah, a beer? I did too. Kyle Lowry brought beer to us. You're right, and and uh, my, you're right. We were working the entire time, so the people say, "Well, it must have felt great." I'm like, actually, no, we're working. We're like, our job is to be storytellers, and you and I and Leo and. Uh, Matt and, and our whole crew, we spent that hour, 90 minutes uh, doing storytelling. We had Chris Bosch and Sam Mitchell, you name it. We had so many different people with us. But our job was to be storytellers and do our job. And then after that, then finally, when you get off the air, you go, oh, my God, that really happened. And I'll never forget, you know, speaking of running, uh, we're back in Toronto. Two days later, I'm, I'm out for a run on Lake Ontario. And I run by a guy, and he's wearing a T-shirt, Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA Championship. And I say to myself, what the? That This thing actually happened. This is not like real. out-of-body experience. Oh, and, then, wow. and then, obviously, a few days later, uh, you know, you and I and Sam and Leo uh, worked together for – it was like That's the great. Jerry Lewis – it was like the Jerry Lewis oh. marathon – Jerry Lewis telethon for hours upon hours working the parade do you know um, something i just wanted breaking news the parade just ended it just <laughs> it just ended longest parade ever 
Well, they got to remember the next time you actually have to have barriers along the street yeah. so people can't go out on the street. So when the Raptors or the Jays or the Leafs have their next parade, and let's hope all three of them in the coming years have that, the city of Toronto, not only up from a recycling standpoint, and they're doing a great job trying to recycle, but have to make sure we have the barriers. But all kidding aside, it was a, a magical experience, and it was phenomenal. Uh, and, and believe me, uh, it was a, a culmination of incredible, uh, dedicated hard work by so many different people. And as I joked earlier, and I really mean it, uh, just I'm just we're all just little small specks in that. But nonetheless, we have a job as broadcasters because we're kind of the conduit for fans uh, to the team and to the sport. And we all take that role as ambassadors very seriously in terms of, of how we cover it. Uh, so to me, that was the greatest thing. And, and, and yeah. you know, and, and Rod, I learned this a long time ago, and we were talking about Vince Scully. And you think about generational grandparents, parents, kids. You know, you could all be uh, living in Los Angeles and Hermosa Beach or whatever. And, and listening or watching on television and all three generations have been exposed to the sport by the same person. And you, you related to this and I can relate to it now as a Raptor broadcaster, as a basketball broadcaster in general, uh, I meet grandparents, parents, kids, three different generations that now have a connection through the sport. So it's an obligation that we all take very seriously that because the players come and go, the coaches come and go, a lot of these guys are here for a year, maybe two years, and you're that uh, part of the element of the identification of sport and the team that is, is something that uh, people connect with from a generational perspective. So uh, we all take that role very seriously. Well, I know you have a ring. Um what do you do with it? Do you wear it out like to the bar there? Do you, do you, get, a, do you get a discount? Uh, do you know, do you get in, do you get ahead of lines with, with the, the championship ring? Cause it's not just the ring. I mean, that thing is like, uh, that's an ornament. It is an ornament. And I, I don't currently have it on right now because I'm going to go out for a run after this. Uh, you don't run with it. Uh, so no, I brought it to a number of different uh, places and, and obviously restaurants and bars and, parties and uh, people just go crazy uh, when they have an opportunity. You know, the thing that people like too, I brought them in Toronto to some golf tournaments and uh, you know, you come, you, you uh, uh, speak at the golf tournament or uh, you know, you, you, you're at one hole the whole day and you have people take pictures with the ring and the stories people tell you. Uh, Where they were. It, yeah, it's great. It's great. It, it's a Canadian moment. It's a moment that brought everybody together and uh, just very fortunate to have, to have been on the game with you and, yeah. and the whole crew on TSN yeah. uh, calling that game. You know, it's obviously the largest television audience in the history of basketball in Canada. So to be part of that uh, was, was just a, an incredible, incredible experience. I have one funny story that night, and I don't know if I've told a lot of people this story. Before the game, I'm standing on the court, you know, about to go on the air. And I'm standing next to this lady. 
And I'm just chatting. Hey, how you doing? Dude, I was there. I was with you. This is the greatest story. Folks, I really I, love this. So I'm, I'm chatting with this lady and just say, hey, uh, how you doing? She says, what do you do for a living? I said, what? Well, I, I work. Uh, I'm a basketball analyst and I work on television for Toronto Raptors, TSN. I'm going to be calling the game on TV tonight and blah, blah, blah. And what a nice day today. What'd you do today? She, she says, oh, you know, I said, I went for a run. I'm prepared for the game. But yeah, it's a beautiful day today here in the Bay Area. It was awesome, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I said, what's your name? And she goes, oh, my name's Sarah. I said, well, Sarah, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. I said, the game will be fun tonight. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Have a great time. And then my stage manager comes and grabs me. He goes, Jack, you're on the air in a minute. So I'm just like hanging out. So I, now they pull me away. So, and by the way, folks, folks and listeners, Jack was notorious, so Matt, for getting there at the very last minute of a hit <laughs> that goes well, live. Because they're always talking to somebody. Yeah, exactly. It happened to be Sarah. The schmooze. Yeah. So, uh, so now, I, you know, we do our hit. And now they say, now to sing the Canadian National Anthem, Grammy Award winning artist, Sarah McLaughlin. So I'm going, wait a minute. I had no idea I was hanging out <laughs> chatting with Sarah McLaughlin. And so she looks over at me. She's about to sing. She gives me a little wink, like, you know what? Good luck tonight. And she knew I had no idea who she was, which was great. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and and she has an absolutely beautiful voice. And I've, I've heard she's an amazing lady. I love Sarah. And, and so the two of you, between the two of you, you have a Grammy, about six Junos, and one NBA championship ring. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to get a Grammy for the album I've done, but <laughs> let's let, let's just say from one artist to another. Another. Look I, at the I, I, I respect her work. Okay, um, we're going to leave now, but I I, I always end this. Uh, I know you're going to run, and I know you love to golf. You're like me. You're, I'm addicted to the sport. So what we do is we play a quick 18. So I'm going to give you 18 subjects or questions. You can just give uh, one answer, two answers, whatever you want to do, or no comment. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing my, there you go. Hey, look at me. <laughs> there you go, my elf shirt. I'll put my elf hat on because I am actually, I've never really grown up. There we are. Okay. Um, so here we go. You ready? You want to play a quick 18? Sure. Okay. Greatest basketball player ever? Michael Jordan. Greatest Toronto Raptor ever? Kyle Lowry. Best? Basketball uniform, not including the Toronto Raptors, ever. Uh, I would say, you know, the Celtics is probably the most iconic uh, uniform. Yeah, I'd say that. Plus, I'm Irish, even though I hate the Celtics. Yeah. Well, we got the green on too. Worst basketball uniform ever. Mm. I'd have to think about that one. There's been uh, a few really awful ones. Well, some of the some of the specialty ones that have come yeah. out uh, over the years for different events have been. I did like the Toronto Raptors St. Patrick's Day one. I would love Wait. to see them bring that back again, being an Irish guy. But uh, no, there's been a there's been a lot of really cool ones when they put out like the City Edition, this, that, the other thing. But some of them have also been like you just shake your head. You're like, there's no imagination here at all. Best stadium. In basketball, uh, I used to love uh, Oracle, where uh, obviously the Golden State Warriors used to play because their fans were real; they were authentic. Now it's become wine and cheese crowd. 
but obviously, being a New Yorker, Madison Square Garden, it's the mecca. Uh, it's it's a pretty special place. Yeah. Um, the um, the worst arena or stadium ever, and it could be any sport. It doesn't have to be basketball. Well, I'm not a big fan of uh, the arena in New Orleans. I was just there actually the other night. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably I would say that I'm not a big fan of their arena. Um, of course, you know about uh, the little mishap we had in studio with 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 Leo. We have a lot of mishaps. Um, <laughs> what is your most embarrassing uh, or or off the cuff or um, uh, it could be a prank or whatever uh, lighthearted moment that ever happened to you as a broadcaster? Well, I've had two that jump off the page. Number one, uh, I was Sammy sideline one night where they had me do the game and then. Uh, run out on the court and do a post-game interview. And this was in Madison Square Garden, and I interviewed Hito Turkoglu. Oh. <laughs> and he was, a, he was in a pissing match at the time with Jay Triano about his yeah. role and his all this. So I, I he, he played great that night. So I said, Hito, what worked for you tonight? Like, you had it really going tonight, impacted the game on a number of fronts. I can't remember exactly what I said. And he looks at me, he goes, ball. So now I'm like, what the... What am I supposed to do here? So I ask him another question, Ball. and he like gives me a two-word answer. So now I am the punchline for everybody. <laughs> like, look at this moron guy asking this guy questions, and a guy gives a one-word, two-word answer. So that blew up all over North America. And then the other one was obviously last season. I really messed up on the air. I didn't know what I did, but um, we had a we had a. Uh, a speaker on fire at the Air Canada, excuse oh, me, yeah. at, the, at the Scotiabank Arena. So uh, there was a Justin Bieber concert the night before. A speaker goes on fire. So now they have to clear out one of the end zones. And then the, they decide, the Toronto uh, Fire Department decides to uh, clear the whole, evacuate the whole building. Now, this was still COVID and we're playing, uh, we were playing some nights with no fans. And now we have the fans back and now the fans have to leave. People are like, how much more do I have to put up with? So now we're on live television, Matt and I, talking about, you know, the Toronto Fire Department's climbing up to the roof and doing this, that, the other thing. And the game was terrible. The Raptors were up like 30. So now finally, the play they, they get the fire out. There's no fans. The players and coaches come back, and now they finish the game. And the Raptors are up 30. So finally, I just say to Matt, I don't even know what time. I just said to him, I said, Matt, I, I feel like, I feel like, like I'm a news guy. Like, I feel like, you know, CNN or Fox or CTV or whatever. Like, you know, I felt like a news guy here tonight where we're talking about the fire department, this, that. I said, I feel like that anchorman guy, Ron. But I unfortunately used the wrong Ron. And it, it's a, another famous Ron, uh, but it, it slipped. And, uh, so the uh, Matt Devlin, literally, if, if people haven't seen the video, it's hysterical. Matt literally falls off his chair, howling, crying. And I, because he knows I don't know what I just said. And the guys in a TV truck are freaking out. They're pressing the button. They're going, Burgundy, 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 Burgundy. So I'm going, what are they screaming Burgundy for? That's what I thought I said. I said, well, Burgundy, you know. So it, it, it made for embarrassing, <laughs> funny television. And it's funny, uh, I, I didn't know this till like a few days after, 
it was the number one trending thing in Canada that day uh, when, when that happened, because people said, this is like hysterical television. So um, those would probably be the two things that I would say are the most embarrassing. Oh, oh. Yeah. Stay classy. Stay classy, San Diego. There you go. Um, well, I said stay classy Seattle, by the way, so I had the wrong yeah, town. Yeah, as well. so my, my names were bad and my geography, geography It doesn't matter. It's real. It's real. And it's live, by the way. Uh, what? Give me something that and I know a lot about him, and, and but a lot of people don't know about. Give me something that people do not know about Matt Devlin. Uh, ooh. Uh, he, I, I would say he's about as well-read a guy that you'd meet. Like if you, you know, if you want to talk, uh, anything, uh, he, you know, he's not, and, and as we know, we know, he's a terrific baseball announcer. He's mm -hmm. done football. He's done like, you know, he could do camel jockey racing and he's that good. Okay. Like he's just, whatever sport you had him do, he could do it. Uh, but he's just incredibly well-read in terms of, like, uh, talking finances, politics, this, that, the other thing. He's a really bright guy, and he's very well-rounded. So I think sometimes people just see sportscasters as sportscasters. But Matt is one of those guys, if you're out to dinner with him, and I've done a lot of uh, dinners with him over the years where we spend time with some really uh, prominent people, uh, on behalf of MLSC, we go to dinner with these sponsors and different leaders of corporations and stuff. And Matt could sit at a, at a table and talk about anything. And uh, so to me, I think that's something people, uh, unless you know him, you wouldn't know that. Uh, another great dude, another great dad. Sure uh, is. Your favorite comfort food or the food that you can't live without? Uh, two. Uh, red licorice. And, Did and not pizza. know that red licorice is my absolute. If I had to pick one vice, it would be red licorice. And then uh, I, I love pizza, so those would be I, and pretzels. I would, I would go three: red licorice, pizza, and pretzels. Uh, besides beer, we know you love the pints. What's your favorite wine? Any blood <laughs> black wine. <laughs> well, the Rod Black one, and I had the Rod Black collection at my. I gotta house. send you some and, more. My friends loved it. And yeah. I got some friends that are wine snobs, and they love the one of the Rod Black collection. And obviously, I live right across from It's not white, it's black. <laughs> it's, I mean, I live literally right across from some great vineyards right here in Niagara yeah, Lake. Right. And uh, the Niagara Parkway is right across from me. And uh, I've done a lot of different wine tours in Niagara Lake over the years. I love Niagara Lake. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love red wine. Uh, I would say red. Um, but uh, I'm not one of those wine snobs. I'll drink anything. Hey, man, I, if it's in not a brown like some paper, of the friends we have. Yeah, if it's in a brown paper bag, I'll drink it. Who cares? <laughs> um, that's funny. Uh, favorite TV show ever? Ooh. Oh, uh, definitely The Honeymooners. Uh, Jackie Gleason. Uh -huh. Tuck Yeah, you know, and I grew up in New York. I mean, it's based upon a bus driver in Brooklyn. So yeah. uh, no doubt. I mean, The Honeymooners. Greatest movie of all time. Woo! Huh? <laughs> people are gonna give me uh, the the movie. I love. You know, I'm gonna say it. People are gonna get me, laugh at me, but the sound of music. 
I love Ooh. the music. I love the movie, The Sound of Music. Uh, oh, I, I, it's a great movie. Uh, I love it. Uh, and probably on a more serious note, uh, the movie I enjoyed uh, probably would be, you, you know, you mentioned uh, Robert De Niro, uh, the movie, The Bronx Tale, uh, where he's a bus driver in the Bronx trying to raise his kid right, uh, is one of my favorite movies. And Goodfellas, I would say Goodfellas, The Bronx Tale, and then just kind of lighthearted the sound of music. Best sports movie ever. Rocky. Uh, Rocky won. Uh, I, I, my oldest brother, Bill, took me to the movie theater in Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, it was raw. It was just, it was an incredibly intense, powerful underdog movie. And it was just dark and dingy in Philadelphia. And he's hitting the, the meat in the meat oh, yeah. lock. It was just, it was just your classic under, and I'll tell you what, uh, the movie theater in Brooklyn, it was like just the energy and the people, cause you, you're from Brooklyn, you know, you're like, you can relate to that guy in Philadelphia that comes from nothing. Uh, so yeah, Rocky. I think I got a picture with you and I outside the old stack, yeah. uh with the Rocky stack. Uh, my favorite line was, oh, yo, Adrian, I was wondering if, if you wouldn't mind marrying me very much. <laughs> love that uh, okay um quickly uh best binge show that you've been watching did you watch any binge shows no never have i i just honestly rod i don't watch uh other than unless they have numbers on their back you know you're right and I, I don't i like to read uh i like to get away from it i i, I watch sports because it's my job and i love it and i'm also passionate about bas baseball and football and hockey and uh all that i mean i i love sports but I, I don't really, honestly, uh, like I, everyone's saying, hey, you got to watch, you know, this series. And I mean, like I never even watched The Sopranos or Peaky Blinders or any of that stuff. I haven't seen any of that stuff. So uh, maybe uh, years and years from now when I retire, I'll sit down and actually watch a series. But uh, I'm still behind. I'm, I'm still behind on all the books I'm trying to read. So I love to read. If I, I have started watching Seinfeld. Yeah, no, I mean, if I if I have a free hour, I'm going to spend that hour reading, not watching the two. Uh, I probably shouldn't say I probably shouldn't say that being in the TV business, yeah, but okay. it's the truth. As long as people are watching you. Uh, besides New York, <laughs> New York, uh, what song do you put in the jukebox right away? Your number one go to first hit in the jukebox for our listeners and our viewers. A jukebox is um, a thing that's in some bars. You put money in and you actually have records inside and they play them. Wow. Well, I love the Beatles. Um, if I'm in an Irish pub, you know, I would probably put an Irish song in, probably the, uh, the Wild Rover, uh, that would song, or uh, one of the great Irish songs. Uh, I love the Beatles. I love Springsteen, the Stones, uh, Sinatra, uh, you know, just all over the map. But, uh, you know, one of those types of singers, depending on what's on the jukebox. Uh, for people past or present, you've heard this one many times, uh, that you would love to sit down and have dinner with all together. Oh, no one's ever asked me this question, actually. Mm -hmm. I know uh, I've heard it asked of other people. Don't. Uh, well, definitely, number one, my father. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad died when I was seven. So, uh, to, uh, so, you know, that to me would be an incredibly emotional thing to uh but that that is a number one i would want my dad there um wow 
Maybe you um, said A number one. Maybe Sinatra's at the table too. <laughs> uh, I, I could think of respect. I love Sinatra. I would. Yeah. I could think of more. Uh, I. I. Oh man. Oh man. Um, I would say probably uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm. Uh, Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, those would be Great some table. other. Those would be, it'd be, an, it'd be a very interesting conversation. Especially with your dad. Yeah, you? my dad. My dad. Well, plus my dad sitting with a, a British guy, Winston Churchill. I'm not sure how well that would go, but uh, uh. Uh, but I'm sure Abraham Lincoln and uh, Dr. King would keep the peace at the table. But uh, uh, those would be four. Okay. Uh, speaking of four, give me your Mount Jackmore. Uh, your Mount Jackmore of uh, the greatest athletes of all time. You can add. You can add some as well. Hmm. Well, Michael Jordan. My my personal uh, uh okay. Yeah. Uh Michael Jordan. Um you know, Gretzky. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. I'm thinking I'm gonna try to get the four big sports. Uh baseball that I've seen. I don't know, that I've seen personally. Um I'm gonna go Willie Mays. And then uh, football. I'm having a hard time saying this. You're going to say Tom believe, Brady. Don't say Tom. I can't believe I'm saying it's this. Tom Brady. It's You're Tom Brady. It, it yeah. kills me. And, you know, my wife is like the biggest Bills fan. I'm a big Bills fan. Yeah. And she loves, loves, loves Jim Kelly. Loves Jim Kelly. Mm -hmm. And and she's and she, always, uh, she hates Tom Brady. And I said, honey, think about it. If the Bills had Tom Brady... You would dump Jim Kelly in a heartbeat. Two, 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 two Irish guys. I'm an Irish guy too, but you dump you dump Jim uh, Kelly in a heartbeat if you had Tom Brady. Uh, so uh, uh, you know, like I hated him, but if he played for my team, I'd love him. So those would be my four. Three left. Uh, Jack Armstrong's bucket list thing that you have to do still. You probably have a few. We all do. But what's one that's near the top of your bucket list? Uh, probably number one on my bucket list right now is I want to do Oktoberfest in Germany. Uh, that to me is, uh, I've never done it and I'm a beer drinker and, uh, we did do it. We tried to do it one night in Milwaukee, Jacko. Yes, we've done that. <laughs> but I, I, def I definitely, that's, uh, that's on my bucket list. Uh, that would probably be number one. The other one would be, uh, and this is kind of me in traditional and old fashioned, but I would love to go New York to London on a, a cruise ship and just sail across the Atlantic Ocean and have a few nights where you wear a tuxedo, uh, have a martini and enjoy a nice dinner and, 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 and sit out on the deck and read a book. Oh, wow. uh, you know, everyone goes to cruise, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to go on some pretty cool cruises in different places of the world. Uh, but that would be like, to me, that's like ultimate traditional. And then go to a place like London, which is a fabulous city, one of my favorite cities in the world, mm -hmm. and spend a few days there. Uh, that would that would be they would probably be the two. If I, Jack Armstrong, was the NBA commissioner for a day, I would. Uh, I would fix uh, the current situation that we have right now, and that is they have to – I know they're trying like crazy uh, to figure out scheduling and 
reducing the, uh, the, the, the stress on players' bodies and player, all that. But I think the NBA's got to come to grips with the fact that we still have an issue with the fact that we have guys missing games. Uh, our fans pay their hard-earned mo- money. Our corporate sponsors and partners uh, are, are all in. And we need uh, to somehow have a big boy conversation about the fact that, and let's face it, this is the reality. The TV, the next television deal uh, is going to add significant dollars into the system. Uh, We're going to end up, I'm sure, at some point down the line as well, expanding and adding two more markets. That's going to add more jobs, more opportunity more into the system as well with with franchise fees so you add those two things together obviously they got to get a new cba worked out as well i would say right now that uh that's an important element that somehow some way uh there's got to be some solution i don't know if there'll ever be an exact solution but i think we there's an elephant in the room right now Mm-hmm. I love our I love our players. Mm-hmm. Our players are amazing. Uh, we should celebrate our players right now. And I think too often people get caught up in the uh, crotchety old, well, the old time players were better and this and that. No, I love to celebrate our players right now. Our players are awesome. My challenge is that I want our great, awesome players actually on the court playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now we're in an age of player empowerment and agents are very powerful as well, but somehow some way for the greater good, because there is a greater good and there's a bigger, greater good coming. And that is more money into the system and more benefit to everybody. Everyone's got to look around and say, let's not kill the golden goose. We're coming up the home hall crowds around final question. Finish this sentence. I, Jack Armstrong, owe my success to? My mom. Uh, My mom's 95 years old. She lives in New York City. Uh, My dad, as I mentioned earlier, died when I was seven years old of a heart attack. She raised four boys in a little apartment building in Brooklyn. And uh, my parents are immigrants to the United States from Ireland. We're first generation off the boat. And, uh, you know, people talk about the Canadian dream, uh, the American dream. Uh, I've lived it. I am living it. Uh, But there's a reason why. And the reason why is because of all the sacrifices and the life lessons and the moral compass and the values, uh, whatever way you want to say it, that she instilled in me and my three brothers. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am today, and my brothers wouldn't be where they are today without uh, everything that she did for us. So, um, you know, she's my hero. You know, I, I speak at basketball camps, and there's always some little kid that raises his hand and says, hey, who's your hero? And people think, well, you know, they think you're going to say, you know, Michael Jordan or you know, uh, you know, LeBron James or whatever. And I'm like, are you crazy? No, it's my mom. Um, you know, and, and there's a whole line, there's an old line. There is a dramatic difference between being successful in life and being significant in life. My mom was a school lunch lady. And 
you know, came over as a, a kid from Ireland and had nothing. And uh, yet her legacy is her four boys and her grandchildren and everything that she's done. And I hope each and every one of us as her sons have in some way, shape or form made the world a little bit better place. Uh, so I called my mom every single day uh, mm -hmm. from the time I moved to uh, Western New York in 1988 as an assistant coach at Niagara. I called my mom every single day and I spoke to her earlier this morning and I always finish with the three most magical words you can say to somebody. And that is, I love you. And because uh, you never know what you have until you don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to me, there's no question that my mom is my hero. And I know she's proud of you. Uh, Jack, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, you're such a great friend. Uh, I, I've learned so much from you. Canadians, uh, North Americans, people around the world watching basketball learn about uh, the game more from you. Uh, they love you as well. Uh, thank you so much. Sorry about the goofy hat. Happy <laughs> holiday. If Good luck on it, Tuesday. It, I if, I knew, if I knew, I would have wore the hat. Yes, yeah, yeah. I want to come. I'm going to be there. I can't miss that. Uh, but I want to thank you. I will give you my three favorite words as well. I love you, man. I guess that's four. Uh, happy you. holidays. And uh, maybe you can just, uh, and I never I never say goodbye, but goodbye. But <laughs> maybe you can just sing us out a little bit. Because on Tuesday, December 6th, Jack Armstrong. What is it called again? What's the whole night called? The, the album? The whole, the night on Tuesday night. Uh, it's uh, it's our sing-along. It's a concert at the Danforth Music Hall. Do put not on, by the miss way, it. Put on by Comedy Records and Live Nation. So it's amazing. I can't believe the people. Live Nation, they booked the biggest acts in the world. And they got a guy like, I don't know. I still can't figure it out. But it's amazing. And please, if folks haven't gotten an opportunity, uh, get the album. And again, it's for a great cause. Special Olympics Canada, MLSE Foundation. Happy holidays. Mm -hmm. Happy holidays, <laughs> and the merry bells keep ringing. Happy holidays to you. Oh, you're the best. There you go. Jacko, you are the best. Please uh, make sure when you get really big in the music industry, you remember us small people. <laughs> I want you to get one of those Drake coats. I think you should get your own. I really do. Well, if I get a Drake coat, you'll never see me again because I'll sell it on eBay. I won't have to work again. <laughs> All right. Thank you, brother. Can't wait to see you soon. Happy Thanks, holidays. Rod. Best to you and your family. You got it. Thank you, Rod. Oh, he's the very best. You could talk all day with Jack Armstrong, and every time you chat with him, you learn something, and you just realize the guy's got such a huge heart. And as I said earlier, I do believe that he feels that Christmas is every day. And yes, he's been given many, many gifts in his life, and he keeps giving gifts back to all of us. So thank you, Jack Armstrong. Happy holidays to you all. Make sure you get his album on all of your lists, whatever that is that you subscribe to, or Spotify, or wherever they're selling his vinyl. Uh, and maybe we'll see you at the Danforth Music Hall on Tuesday, December 6th as well. Thank you, Jacko. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays from the Rodcast. The Rodcast with Rod Black, brought to you by North Star Bets. That's a win.